0: and had no idea how to handle that. Now, in years since, I've looked back on that and I've realized that God honored our prayers. And I think because we were praying fervently and we were really seeking for the first time at Wilshire, people came together to really seek supernatural healing through prayer. I think God said, I'm going to let you know I have heard your prayer. I'm going to let you know that your prayer has been answered, Dear hearts, it's Tom's time to come home. And so it took me years to come to that because for a while it was devastating. But still, what that leaves us with is all sorts of questions about what we do with prayer and what does God do in prayer? And how can we know what to pray? So what I want us to do is uh to turn to the first page here and let's see what the bible has to say uh, about prayer and we're going to look strangely we're kind of going to we're going to come through the back door here uh go to the purpose of prayer and turn to the first page behind the purpose of prayer and it says reflections on prayerlessness which is a strange place to start, but I what I want you to look for here as we read through these scriptures is what is are these scriptures saying about the nature of prayer? What is prayer fundamentally all about? Uh, by the way, I have colored pencils. If anybody wants to do color coding on on the prayer scriptures that we hit today, uh, if you know what I mean by color coding, if you if you will color all Scriptures that you read on prayer. After a while, you will know where those scriptures are. You will be familiar with them because they're all in the same, uh, the same color. But let's look at Job 21 verses 14 through 15, 14 and 15. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? See, that's one of the questions we're looking at. Does it do any good to pray to God? And that's what these people are asking. Now, what characteristics did you see already that began to tell us what prayer is really all about? Noting that we are going in the back door here and coming from a negative to show a positive. What did you find out there in those, in those two verses? Number one, we desire not the knowledge of God. So prayer must have something to do with having and, and, and encountering the knowledge of God and, and learning about Him because that's connected and serving Him. Prayer has something to do with serving God. And uh, what does it profit us to pray? Um, that's the question uh, on number three, uh, the third uh, number there under Job 21. Okay, let's turn to Psalm 14. <clears throat> Psalm 14, verse 4. Have all the workers of iniquity no know knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? Let me read that again. Have all the workers of iniquity no know knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? What is that saying about prayer? Yeah, they have no knowledge of the Lord. They they are workers of iniquity, and they are they are devouring of people, not literally, but but emotionally and spiritually. They have no regard for the needs and and the desires of, of other people and of their sensitivities. So you flip that around and you begin to see that prayer has to do with desiring the knowledge of the Lord, turning from those ways that are displeasing to God and seeking to minister to others, to reconcile with others, okay? Uh, Psalm uh, 53 verse 4 Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread they have not called upon God same thing Psalm 79 verse 6 Pour out your wrath upon the heathen that, that have not known you and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon your name I'm just going to read this and the rest of it, you just kind of make note of what you see there. And then we'll come back and and just look at just a summary understanding of what you've come up with as all of these scriptures have been read. Okay, Isaiah 64. Isaiah is just to the right of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It's before Jeremiah, Isaiah 64, verse 7. There is none that calls upon your name, that stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hid your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Now, what do we find there? that gives us some indication about what prayer is about. They
1: have
0: no initiative for one thing. No. And they have no desire to stir themselves up to take hold of God. Prayer is about taking hold of God. Prayer is about stirring ourselves up to take hold of Him, to understand Him, to to get to know Him. Okay, let's go on over to the next book in the Bible, uh, Jeremiah 10 verse 25 pour out your fury upon the heathen that know you not and upon the families that call not on your name for they have eaten up Jacob and devoured him and consumed him and have made his habitation desolate and let's go to Daniel 9 Daniel is way over toward the end of the Old Testament after Ezekiel Daniel 9 verse 13 as it is written in the law of Moses all this evil has come upon us yet we did not make our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth okay what are those verses saying in a, in a package understanding? What are they saying to us about what prayer really is all about? Turning to God. Desiring God. To God. Desiring God. Tur- yes, repentance and turning from our sins and seeking out God. That's what prayer is about. It's not just having a prevailing position of prayer with him. It is getting to know God. That's what the primary reason for prayer is, is for you and me to come to know God in an intimate way. And in order to do that, we have to turn from those issues in our life that are sin issues. We have to acknowledge what they are, and we have to make a change from Those things in our lives that dominate us that are sin. Okay, Okay, so there is a turning from ourselves and our own agenda and our agenda. And there is a turning toward God. In what ways? Well, there are two or three ways here. Knowing him. Knowing him. Okay. In, in knowing him, the person God, and in knowing his ways. And I think what was once said knowing his truth. having knowledge not only of God, but of how he does things. That's what prayer is about. It's not us just coming to God when we have a need or a want. In fact, it's recognizing that we have a perpetual need. That we have an ongoing need that never ceases. And what is that need? A relationship with him. Absolutely, a relationship with him. And he uses the glitches in our lives to get us there. But what we usually do is we use the glitches in our life to knock on his door. And when he throws out the crumbs, We think that is enough and then we get on with our business. And God is saying the crumbs are to get you to come on and to come closer and deeper into me so that we may know each other. Okay, now, that's got to be the foundation for what we do here today. Uh, So often, you know, when we have a loved one who's sick or we have a friend who is dying, our family member, that's when we get on our knees before the Lord. But that invalid woman had been on her knees before the Lord for 10 years. And if we have any one human person to thank for the worldwide evangelistic ministry of Dwight Moody, is that woman because she paid the price of seeking God daily fervently for a a need that she knew was God's will she knew it had to be God's will that Europe come to know the Lord through Dwight Moody so let's turn the page here knowing that this Reflections on Prayerlessness tells us that we have personal business to do with God and that that's what prayer is all about. Uh, Let's go to the next page because what we begin to see is once we start getting that and seeing that prayer is a part of our lifestyle as Christians and it's not a tool we use as we need it, but it's a part of our lifestyle and our walk. Then we begin to find that, number one, prayer initiates divine activity. And I want us to look. Let's turn to Daniel. We're still in Daniel. Daniel 9, verses
1: 2 through 23. Uh, Would someone read that? In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last seventy years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away refusing to obey you. Therefore the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, All this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him.
0: Let's skip a little bit. That gives us a good lead-in. Skip on over to verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding as soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Okay. What, what do we find out there about prayer? What was going on there? What did Daniel do? First he, was <coughs> he was confessing his sin and the sin of Israel. And how was he praying? Humbly. Humbly. What is the significance of a sackcloth? It's a, of it's a symbol of mourning, sackcloth and ashes. He was grieving the waywardness of his people. He was fasting, he was praying sacrificially He was intense. He was intensely seeking the Lord. And what did Gabriel say was the result of his prayer? From the minute he uttered it, thanks, Robert. From the minute he uttered that prayer, his prayer was heard in heaven. And a response was sent from heaven to Daniel. Now look over here. Uh, The same thing happens, basically, in Daniel 10. He does the same sort of praying and he has the same sort of supernatural encounter, but it takes three weeks. But again, Gabriel says, from the moment you first prayed, uh, your prayer was heard and a command was sent out for me to bring a message to you from God. Prayer initiates divine activity. We are partners with God in what He wants to do in this world. Turn to Acts 4. Let's look at the New Testament's <coughs> renderings here. Acts four thirty one, And when they had prayed The place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The moment they prayed, the place was shaken and the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them. A direct response to prayer. Turn on over to chapter 9, verse 40. We're not going to hit all of these, but I want you to get a sense of what's going on here. But Peter... This is when Tabitha or Dorcas (coughs) has died and she was a faithful servant of the Lord's in the New Testament church and Peter has been called to come to her but before he gets there she's dead. Peter put everybody out of the room and he kneeled down and he prayed which is so different than the Peter before Pentecost. Before Pentecost, Peter jumped out of the boat and walked on the water and didn't even know what he was doing. And when he finally realized what he was doing, he sank in the water. He was so uh, compulsive, so impetuous, so spontaneous. Now here is this spontaneous Peter coming in, and there is a dead servant of the Lord. And what is the first thing he does? He kneels down and prays. And then he gets up and he goes over and he takes her hand and he says that, Tabitha, arise. He prayed in God's will. He sought God's will. And when he prayed in God's will, a miracle happened. We can go on and on and on here. Let's just turn over to uh, Acts 7 since we're in Acts and get verses 56 through 60. This is Stephen being martyred, stoned to death, Acts 7. Uh, And behold, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus. And he called upon God and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down knowing that he was getting ready to die and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, why do I say that this belongs here under the heading The prayer initiates divine activity? What happened as a result of Stephen's prayer? God took him home and he, he witnessed to Paul and Paul who was the leader of the persecution of the Christians saw the light. And I think that it is a direct result of this sacrificial prayer of the martyr Stephen. I think Stephen freed up that Pharisee and he freed up God to work in that Pharisee. I think that prayer was instrumental. (coughs) The man in the um, late 1500s who felt called of God to bring the first translation of the Bible from the Latin into English, Tyndale, T-Y-N-D-A-L-E, <clears throat> He's he worked years and years and years to translate the Bible. And um, this was just before England. It was while England was still under the influence and the rule of uh, the Catholic Church. And he was told not to do that. He continued to do it anyway, and eventually he was arrested. And he was tied to the stake and burned for trying to translate the Bible into English. And uh, he was burned just before, uh, in, either in the early reign of King Henry VIII or just in the, in the reign of the king just prior to King Henry VIII. And when he was dying, he said, Lord, open the king's eyes so that the Bible may be written in English and about 35 years later King James came to the throne and he commissioned the Bible to be translated into English and in 1613 we have the King James Bible. If it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. (laughs) It was a direct response to the sacrificial praying of Tyndale who at the stake at being burned, his last thought was, Lord open the King's eyes and God did. Prayer initiates divine activity happens here and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with this <clears throat> but um, in, in Matthew 6 just before the Lord's Prayer is, um, is taught by Christ just turn to that for a moment to Matthew 6 <clears throat> we have Christ um, speaking here And uh, he's talking about, don't be like the Pharisees who think that they're going to be heard by their many repetitions. But when you pray, he said in verse 7 of chapter 6 of Matthew, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, because they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. But uh, be not... Therefore, like them, for your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Okay, the question is, if God knows what we have need of before we ask him, then why ask him? If he already knows what we have need of, if God knows our needs, then what, what is the deal? Why ask him? Okay, he wants us to know that we depend on him. To have what? Have to come to him as, as a child would a father because the child loves the father and wants to be... that provision to be given by the father to them and to have a knowledge of his, his ways because when we come to God in prayer. What how do we usually start?